You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Good morning, Zinger Nation. Welcome to the number one morning show. Get it started right here on Pre-Market Prep. I need you guys to go ahead and hit the like button. Throw up in the chat what stock you're watching today. And of course, who's ready to get started with the number one morning show, Pre-Market Prep. We got a great show for you guys today. We'll talk about overnight action, ECB, Tesla deliveries, Chinese stocks, Biden EV, earnings, FDA decision on Novavax, Disney, ARK Invest. Mark Chaikin is our guest today. We'll talk even a little bit of ratings action all right here on the number one morning show. Do us the favor. Hit us the like. Can we get started with 300 likes today? Let's go. Let's go. Let's get started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders. And yes, Starbucks has given me my own room. They said they don't need a coffee place. You know, Mitch can just take on over. Well, let's go ahead. Let's bring on my guys here, Joe Conan and Dennis Dick. How are we doing this morning, guys? That's nice Starbucks. That's yeah. nice Starbucks. We should go along Starbucks just hey, because Money yeah. Mitch, they hook him up. He's in his own room now. Just <laughs> in the back corner. Gives him a latte and I, gives him a room. I asked them for their birds to put them inside the room, but they, they wouldn't allow it. But you know, oh. you know how it goes. 
the ambiance. It was very nice. Uh, let's run down the futures real quick. Let's we got a do lot it. of material to cover. We were much higher. Uh, we were up to 45.75. Not much up there. Uh, we closed. We got a rally, and then uh, we just got droggied a little bit. I uh, didn't like what they had coming out of the ECB. So we're just trying to hang in here mid-range on the session. Uh, crude, I mean, considering the gains it's had over the last few days, we got to forget about, oh, no, we still haven't got up to that high yet. But today, down only 12 cents at uh, 122, uh, or down a dime, 122.01. Gold slipping down 920 at 1847.20. Silver in the red by 18 cents, 21.91. Bitcoin up to 15, 30,295. Ethereum futures, uh, they're up uh, just $14 at $18.03. Real quick, on the S&P 500 index futures, uh, it's still I'm still giving you the June numbers in the pit, or if there is a pit. Uh, they're trading the September. There's, there's rollover. So uh, on Monday, we will go strictly to the SEP numbers, and that will be leading up to Quad Witch next week. Dun, dun, so, dun. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Oh, so let's, many let's people go into waiting it. for tomorrow. It's yeah. the, it's it's the day before CPI, CPI Eve, you can call it, and mm -hmm. it's all that is going to matter. Yeah. This market has done exactly what we thought it would do, chop around and really go nowhere ahead of the CPI data. So every fading move has made you money this week. If you've been fading the moves, you've been making money. It's worked in 2022, but especially this week. Um, you know, you can just go through the individual days, and I would expect more of the same. We've already seen it this morning. We were off significant, like you said, Joel, from the highs. We just dropped 20 handles. You can thank Draghi for that. But, I mean, we've been in consolidation station really here for the better part of two weeks. We're waiting on the CPI data. Yeah, and uh, I put this in my uh, my note last night. We, uh, over the last seven sessions, we've had about a 125-point range which is nothing, you know, we usually, you know, move, uh, you know, 100, 125 up or down or, you know, expanded every day. Uh, but a lot of the actions have been between like 4,100 and 4,150, like, you know, where most of the volumes traded. And here we are right in the middle. So whether you're looking at the SPY, whether you look at the S&P, Kenny uh, brought up the Qs, same thing there. So, uh, and you know what? You know what, Mister Market will probably or Mister Fed will probably do. What if it comes in right in line? Right. I don't in think line. that's good enough. I think if it comes no? in line, it's not good because we want to see. I think the market wants to see that the pains going through right now with the rising interest rates is already starting to work. So I think it needs to come in light. If it so, it, it, it's it's still a binary event. Obviously, it comes okay. in line. Maybe it's going to be wishy washy. But you know, if we come in and it's hot again, Katie oh. bar the door. They're going to hammer this market. If it comes in, and I tend to think it's going to come in a little bit light, then everybody's going to say, "Hey, it's working." Hey, if we can keep come bringing this inflation, and the Fed will be less aggressive, and that will give us a green light to buy stocks. So I think. Tomorrow's number is very important. I've put a little bit more risk on in the long-term portfolio. From a trading perspective, I'll likely come in just market neutral just because the risk is so dang high. But I'm down to 41% cash in my long-term portfolio. You know I was up to 53 at one point in time, so I'm putting a little bit more to work. But again, I kind of want to see the number. 
Uh, Cliff ES1, I'm not sure what platform you're on, but ES is the S&P 500 index futures, and it goes by the month. So ESM is June. There's only four. There's March, June, September, and December. The expiration, the third Friday of each month, that will be the expiration of the June. And then the ES, ESU, where I got my uh, uh, Twitter handle, Spoos, is uh, the next symbol. And ESZ is for the Ds. What's the futures? Oh, my God. I've never heard of those things, Joel. Let's go ahead. Let's get into the stocks now. Let's talk a little, a little bit about action that we got this right out the gates here. I'm definitely moving the markets right now. Let's talk about the ECB here. Central banks, uh, European central banks confirmed July rate hike rate uh, plans, and they also raised inflation projections significantly. Uh, the annual consumer price inflation across 19 member euro eras hit a fresh high of 8.1 here. In its previous guidance, it indicated that its first rate hike would only come at the formal end of its net asset purchases. And the European Central Bank here on Thursday confirmed its intentions to hike those interest rates in the policy next month and downgraded its growth forecast. I think the important part here is we already knew about the hike, but the downgrading of the growth forecast is not something that we knew. It's chop. We're seeing a lot of chop. And if you're looking at individual uh and obviously you got the EEM up there, which is China, Joe, but I think we were talking ECB. Yeah, I'm um, sorry. You can bring up, the, the one trouble you're going to have, bring up the EFA because a lot of these- EFA, uh, that's what I was trying to think. A lot of, of these other uh, European ETFs here are ex-dividend today. So they're oh. messed up. So if you're looking at IEFA, you're seeing it down two bucks, but it's not down two bucks. It paid a big dividend there overnight. So, or down a buck, you're seeing it. Um, so it's a, they're a little bit screwed up, some of these um, European ETFs. Some of them did go ex-dividend today. Um, EFA, I believe, did not. Um, so I think it gives you a, a, a... No, actually, it did too. Holy, it did too. So, yeah, it did. I, so it's screwing you up and you're seeing like, oh my goodness, Europe's getting killed. But actually, EFA, the adjusted close, if this is correct on my system, is 67.71. So it's actually trading up 0.1%. Really? Yeah. EFA wow. is actually trading up. Wow. So you're I looking did. at it, you're looking at it down. But again, these, you know, do pay pretty good dividends. I believe they are semi-annual and they did go X dividend to my understanding here. So the adjusted close 6771. So you're seeing like, oh my gosh, Europe's getting killed. That is not the case. That is not the case this morning. Yes, um, you know, there's some European stocks down, but from what I can see is there's an X dividend date here to, to an adjustment here. Just going fundamental here, uh, nice bounce off this low, uh, off the $65 area, over 70 I mean, yeah, it's off the all-time high, but, man, you got to think about the European economies and what's going on with the war. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, it did get the big decline, but, oh, boy, that's a 50% retracement. Look at that, 75 to 65 and back up. But that chance, I mean, considering – you know, what's going on, the fuel, you know, I don't know. It's a nice bounce. I'm, I'm a little surprised here to see, I know with, with the price action today, but that's not a bad looking chart. You know, they bought the dip and it's trying to hang in there. I mean, obviously the whole Ukraine situation has weighed on all of, of Europe and obviously weighed on our markets as well. I know the markets aren't, you know, looking at it as much as they were when it initially started, but it's still weighing on that. Okay. So you know, that's a consideration whenever you're investing in Europe here is, you know, how are some of these companies that, you know, are, are going to perform here? 
with you know the war still going on and you know supply shortages and whatnot but let's move on you know because europe i'm looking at these etfs and they're all messed up because of the ex-dividends okay uh, china just before we get too far away from yeah. that i just want to kind of mention that there could be some more inflation on the way with uh, the freeport thing that's going on right now uh the freeport operator is one of the largest of u.s export plants of producing liquefied natural gas um, and it's going to be shut down for three weeks following an explosion at its Texas Gulf Coast facility. And this is definitely raising the risk here, especially for Europe in shortages for natural gas. Um, this could continue raising that inflation, right? It was an ugly, ugly move for natural gas yesterday. I mean, you, you ticked the 52-week high, obviously. And then they pulled the rug out from under it. And now it continues here. So a pretty hard hammer. From yesterday's high, thirty-two seventy-seven. If you're just looking at the UNG, down to twenty-eight bucks. So you're talking about a pullback here of you know, fifteen percent in a matter of a day. So that's significant. I'm still waiting. Like I still think a lot of these, uh, like I've been talking about oil, but is this relentless? I feel like there's going to be a rug pull here eventually. But I've been wrong about that because it continues to go higher. But there was a rug pull yesterday in UNG. Spooks me a little bit on USO here as well. You wonder if it's going to be a similar rug pull, but maybe it's specific. Yeah, I think a lot. I just said with the uh, with the UNG, I think you just had a crowded trade. You made a new multi-year high yesterday. Uh, and then, you know, people look at file through breakout traders. Yeah, we're getting over 950. And then the news, you know, it was leaking before that. And then the news came out and then people probably piled into that one. And then some of your longer term players were like, wow, smashing bids after that kind of move. Yeah. Kind of a false breakout. But um, moving opposite to news, I mean, that's th things are what you think is supposed to happen. You know, that's why you don't think you just react. Yeah, this looks like it's uh to me, I'll be looking for a little bit of a correction. I feel like you're going to see in winter this this be one of the best trades, um, but we'll see what happens on out there. Um, the reason why is I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there's so many risk of supply shortages. And if we have a rough winter, how's that going to affect kind of natural gas? We'll see what happens there. Let's keep moving. Let's go towards Tesla deliveries. I know some people are definitely going to be paying attention to Tesla It also got a ratings numbers. too, Mitch. Just yeah, while you're talking Tesla. Definitely. We'll got talk upgraded. about that. I got it right here from upgraded UBS. No worries. I got you. I got okay, you, Dennis. Okay. I'm ready for it. Okay. Um, I just wanted to first get the, the, the vehicles out here. So Tesla sells 32,165 uh, 32, China-made vehicles in May, down 4% year over year. But this is a lot better than versus their April number, which was 1,152 vehicles sold. Um, if we guys don't know this the shanghai plant reopened on april 19th after 22 days of citywide lockdown and resumed exports on may 11th but has struggled to get the production back to pre-lockdown levels productions at tesla's shanghai factory fell by over a third in q2 versus q1 um, and then today like dennis said ubs upgrading tesla to a buy here and sees more than a 50% upside for the electric vehicle stock here. I don't know what to say here either. Um, I think none of it matters until we get the CPI data. <laughs> so, I mean, you look here and you're like, okay, well, it's bottom. But, I mean, we can do a technical on any individual stock here. Does it really matter 
with tomorrow's data coming out. I mean, I'm not taking a big position, a big swing trading position in something here right before the CPI data and, and no stocks. So I think technicals just take a backseat almost on everything until we find out what this data looks like. Yeah, I got nothing for you on Tesla. Nothing? Yeah, nothing. We're, we're scared. Me and Joel are scared to do the technical yeah. analysis right now. And, for, and justfully so. We don't know what's going to happen here. I mean, you can see every move. The one thing I will say is we've been right. The moves are just getting faded. Like today's move just gave it all back. We're up yeah. 30 handles. Yeah. We're flat. We're basically <laughs> flat here now. We just gave it all back. So you just cannot chase ahead this week. You cannot be chasing the head of the CPI data. So everybody who's chased moves, oh, we're going to break. We're not going to break. Yeah, listen to the pre-American prep show on Monday. The odds are, the odds were that Money Mayor is going to be jockeying and we're going to have a lot of this ahead of the number. The dictation move for everything, including Tesla and all these stocks, is going to be whether that number is hot or not. And that's it. So that's what's going to matter. Hot number, light number, it's all that matters. We're going to keep coming back to it because I think if you're taking a position ahead of it, it's a big-time gamble right now. All right, let's go ahead. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on in Chinese stocks after it appears that sentiment is getting a boost early Thursday after Bloomberg News reported that China may let the Ant Group IPO move forward. Another sign that Beijing could be dialing back the tech crackdown. Do you guys, are you guys are Baba fans yet? We get in there? We starting to turn the page? You've missed it. I mean, this has had an incredible run. If you're coming in and buying yeah. Alibaba now or this morning on that headline, you are absolutely oh, doing it backwards. They pulled the rug. It went oh. from 115 to 128. They pulled the rug and the stock's straight in red here now. I mean, this has had the big move. Eight days ago, this was 80 bucks. It went to 120. I don't buy stocks that run up 50% in eight days. I sell them. Yeah. I, I would agree. I think, you know, Didi gave us the, the first kind of move in this, right? And, and that was the first mover driver, at least on Monday. And it's continued to drive since that Monday. We'll see if it starts pulling back today. Uh, but let's keep it going. We got so much to go into. In a little bit, we'll be getting into some earnings from Five Below and NIO. So we'll talk a little bit about their deliveries. But let's talk a little bit about what happened yesterday. Um, let's talk with Mark Chaikin. Yeah, let's do it. Take- is he is he on he's not on oh, yet he's, he's not, not on, on yet, yet. yeah, yeah. Okay. he'll be on at 835 835 oh 835 he changed his time I, I, that was that was probably my fault i i, I did uh change it on the 835 so i think he'll be here just oh at okay okay my bad because uh, usually yeah, like, no, no, normally it's 815 i i just remembered that cause, but it's all you, good you guys know how i've been dealing with stuff just it's all good mitch you're doing a wonderful job taking over for spencer moving you did it all here yeah, at once, trying yeah. to trade too i mean you're doing hey. a wonderful job we're not gonna yell if you scheduled mark 20 minutes late and if, still I, got yeah, yeah, if, if anything will help us out he'll you'll be you, able to see a little bit more if you need a moving consultant uh oh. please oh did i but i told you the other day like when uh when he missed the show two day the at the close show two days ago because he got locked out of his apartment, uh, his new apartment, and uh, I said, you know what I said? I go, I'm buying the Mitch calls. I was buying the dip. And, I said you short Mitch, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It was just, it was just, uh, it was a capitulation move. He was trying to move the couch in, and the door closed, and his keys were locked in the apartment. And his phone was in the apartment too, so he had to go. They call it smart locks. (laughs) You you guys tell me. Uh, Let's 
<laughs> Let's keep moving. I'm sorry. So, I, I think there's a, a a lot. Uh, I think this isn't something that's moving maybe stocks this particular day, but I think something to definitely keep on watch is the Biden administration this week proposing new standards for its program to build a national network of 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations by 2030. Earlier this year, the White House introduced a plan to allocate $5 billion to the states to fund EV charges during the next five years. And I think, you know, this is something that hasn't been talked about in a while, these EV charging stations. You know, I think personally, we need to figure out this whole infrastructure. We need to figure out autonomous before we're going to get the next huge EV wave. But I'll throw it to you guys. I agree with that. And that's the thing we've been talking about that for like a hundred years is like, where, you know, where's the infrastructure, you know, for these things, how long of an extension cord, you know, can you have to charge up your car? So, <laughs> um, I don't know. What, what are the, you know, what are the stocks, uh, charge point holdings? Is there's that, I mean, yeah, there's a ton of them. Is it there? Who's going to oh, be yeah. the winner? Tesla with their batteries. Well, Tesla will be a winner. There's no yeah. doubt. Tesla so uh, you're right about the infrastructure. Um, I don't know which, I mean, which stocks. I mean, you know, LTHM, I own that. That's the lithium. That's part of the batteries. There's so much here. Yeah, um, I, I think the interesting part, though, is that the, there is definitely the focus to, to really start getting these moving. I think later on in the year, we might get some more catalysts to really start seeing that, okay, not only are the projections there, but they're already planning to get this rolling. So um, we'll pay attention. I mean, like it says there, it's 2030, right? I mean, we're in 2022. It could take a little while. Um, let's go ahead. Let's move forward. I got so much to keep going through here. So we're going to keep the ball moving here. Um, we'll talk a little bit. Of, let's get into some earnings. Let's talk about Five Below, the disaster stock of the day here. Um, uh, five Below EPS came in at 59 cent, beat the 58 cent estimate, and sales were at 639.6, but missing the 652.74 million estimate. And then also pulling back a little bit of their guidance here. Um, five Below, not not looking the best right now. And you would think that in this environment, they'd be doing better. But hey, the, the numbers are what they are. You know what, though? The five below stores, and this is the difference. You go in Dollar General, you can buy, like, groceries and stuff in there. Can you not? Like, I'm, I haven't been in Dollar General in years, but... It's it's a dollar twenty-five General now. Yeah, it's a dollar twenty-five <laughs> General. But, I mean, you can buy, like, stuff, like, regular, like, groceries. Like, I, I've been in those yeah. five belows, and maybe they've changed the stores. It's like, you know... Five dollar it, junk. It, it, it is. It's not we'll like trinkets. stuff I'm going to, you know, it's it, it's not consumer staples type stuff. It's literally, you know, it's 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 all more just discretionary. Yeah. Toys, you know, playing around with this. That's I think the big difference. I think there's a big difference between Five Below and Dollar General and Dollar Tree. Where, you know, somebody Dollar General and some of these small towns, that's a grocery store is Dollar General. Yeah. So, I mean, Five Below is just, you're right, Joel. It's a lot of weird stuff okay well maybe you get a hat or something like that but a lot of weird stuff like gifts maybe but it's not like dollar general so i don't even think you can compare it and i'm not surprised actually that they're not performing as well i go in those stores and i was like i don't know yeah we'll leave it at that joel you said it right a lot of junk in there yeah i mean if you were waiting on this gap fill uh from this gap up day probably had a good market day that was 122.49 and if you just stuck your bid out there, you would have got it because it was a little bit lower. So, I, I mean, 
I don't know. I'm not like the other day when, you know, Target dropped and stuff. I was like, yeah, I thought they would, you know, the buy the dip. But on this one, you may get another another shot at uh, at the pre-market low. But uh, the actual low of the move, like if they really want to take this move. Nah, I don't think we'll see that today. The actual low of the move is 110.83. Yeah, we'll Run definitely. S and P's have gone red here after being up Oof. thirty handles. We just cannot hold Oof, gains. The leak, the leaking, the leaking. Yeah, we can't hold gains. But again, not making any calls going forward until we see the CPI data. So the chop is going to be there. It's going to continue to remain until eight thirty tomorrow, twenty four hours from now. We're going to get some clarity here. Is the Fed's ultimate plan starting to work? Yeah, we'll definitely keep on watch. Let's go to the next earnings here. Let's go to NIO. I want to talk about those. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about their reported deliveries here. They reported Q1 deliveries of 25,768, up 28.5% year over year. Uh, their Q1 sales beat here, uh, 1.56 billion beat the 1.49 billion estimate. And NIO it delivered in May. 7,024 units up 4.7%. Just to kind of give you some insight on the other Chinese deliveries that we got today. Also, you got XPIN delivered 1,125 smart EVs in May. And also LI uh, delivered 11,496. And that one actually is up 165.9% year over year. So LI showing a, a significant uh, amount sold in May. So that's why you did the best one there. It's come back a long ways. I mean, a lot of these obviously have an LI, Lee Autos, basically gotten all the losses for 2022 back. That's impressive. Um, Neo reporting. It's come back off the lows. Do people come in and buy the dip? Maybe China. I don't know. Ah, man. If I would have looked, I looked at this chart, I think we talked about it yesterday. I mean, look at the run into the report. I almost feel like no matter what they would have said or done, they would have hit this thing. You know, I mean, look at that from 12 to 21, closed right on the high of the rebound there. 2045, 20 uh, was the high, 2038, and then boom, immediately they just hit a hug out there and then they pulled the rug out on it. You are below. I don't want to start figuring a 50% from 12 to 20 yet because that would take you down to the 16 area. Uh, next daily low, 1860. Uh, looks like we're going to be seeing that real soon. Next, we're flying through them here this morning because nobody, we don't want to give an opinion on anything ahead of the CPI data. We give day trading opinions, fade. <laughs> That's hey, it. No worries. We keep it going here. I'll go into a little bit of a, a deeper topic. I'm sure this will bring us into Mark checking here. Let's talk about Gary Gensler yesterday. Um, I think this is going to be an interesting topic here. Uh, he dropped on Wednesday a proposed rule change to transform how Wall Street handles retail stock trades after the meme stock mania last year. The plan would require trading firms to directly compete to execute the trades from retail investors to try to boost the competition. He said that the new rules would mandate market makers disclose more data about the fees that these firms earn and the timing of trades to benefit the investors. Wall Street watchdogs plan to scrutinize the controversial appointment of order flow, PF, you know, PFOF, 
practice the payment for order flow here in which brokers like TD, Ameritrade, Robinhood, E-Trade, they are paid by wholesale market makers for their orders. Just to kind of give you guys the background there. I know Dennis has some great well, topics. Well, we, we talked about it yesterday. Yeah. Obviously, the two stocks directly impact, if you want those implications, is Robinhood and Virtu. If they mm-hmm. obviously, you know, looking at payment for order flow, that directly impacts Robinhood. Virtue pays the payment for order flow. Some would argue the stock would rally on it, but because obviously they make money off of those orders, if they weren't getting those orders, that would be a big difference. So, I mean, I think competition is good. I mean, when you hit your button at your retail trader, you know, at your Robinhood, it is routed out directly to one of these off-exchange market makers who then look at the order and decide, obviously the systems are doing it instantaneously, whether they want to take the other side of it or not. I've always said, why do we want to give somebody first dibs to trade against those orders? Why not throw it out there and get some competition going? I think Gary agrees. But there's Mm -hmm. the argument on the other side is that this is how you have free trading. This is why we have zero commissions. If you get rid of this, you know, all of a sudden payment for order flow, Robin is going to have to start charging again. I don't know if that's the case or not. They can make money in different ways. There's no doubt it would hurt them, though. So, I mean, this is a very controversial topic. The one reason that, you know, this key, you know, this has been coming up for a decade is the, the reason that, you know, this really doesn't get any legs going further is because the markets have been fairly resilient. And I mean, we've been straight up bull market. We haven't really challenged it too much. We had the COVID, but it's not like we went through a financial crisis with this current market structure. It was different yeah, exactly. 2007, 2008. I really think, you know, when you test it, you can see the, the stress on the system, May 6, 2010, the flash crash of 2015, that it doesn't work that well when three or four, you know, participants are controlling the majority of the order flow. So I, I'm with Gary. I think we do need change, but the data isn't out there to show it. And everybody's going to say, well, where's the data? Show us the data. I'd love them to figure out the data. I do think that, you know, there's retail traders, and I've talked about this before. The biggest thing that they're not considering is that there's limit order traders that are missing fills. You know, you place your order out there as a retail trader, 25 bucks, comes down, trades to your price, and then goes up to 25.50, and you don't get filled because some off-exchange market maker stepped ahead of the retail seller that was trying to sell to you. There's an opportunity cost there for those retail traders. They don't consider that because it's hard to quantify that. But the opportunity cost of missed executions from limit order traders is real. And that's why the small cap space is a mess because it's hard to get executed in those stocks when you pushed your bid out there and you're the only person bidding 25. And then somebody says, I'll sell it to you at 25. And the off-exchange market maker jumps ahead and says, oh, no, I'll buy it at 25.001, give them a sub-penny price improvement. They got a better price. But meanwhile, you were the one setting the price and you didn't get filled. Is that fair? I don't think so. I'd like to see some change. I don't think the structure is currently fair, but you know I've argued this to the regulators for a decade and gotten nowhere. I mean, one thing, and just going uh, just to you know further comment on what you said. I mean, the market held up well. I mean, yeah, the market declined and everything, but the market structure, uh, you know, during uh, you know February, March, and April of two thousand twenty. I mean. Hard to argue. I mean, I, I at one point. Did it though, Joel? We fell 35%. They never closed weeks. it. They never closed it. They never closed it, but you know, you could say it was very resilient. But then we V bottomed out of there too. I think liquidity dried up a lot. That's why yeah. maybe you had more extreme moves. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't just say that it did well. When the markets fall 30% or 35%, you can say it was all COVID. 
But maybe it was the fact that, you know, the, the structure is just a little bit different than it used to be. I mean, and, and it's not all just high frequency trading and, you know, off exchange market making. The whole structure has changed. You take it back, Joel, to when you were playing market maker, you know, roles back in the 90s. I mean, people put big orders on the book. Those orders would absorb sudden demand. Those orders, you know, if you had a big order sitting out there for 50000 to buy, somebody wants to come in and sell 20000 20000 that order is absorbing. Institutions now are using VWAP. They're not putting yeah, their orders right, out there. So, yes, it is liquidity, but it's slow liquidity. It doesn't absorb the instantaneous demand or the instantaneous rash of selling. So, I mean, the structure itself has changed so much in the last 15 years, and we really haven't put it to a serious test. I would love to have seen the structure how, you know, we obviously saw May 6, 2010. It failed. I mean, we had no bids. And why was that? Because every nobody has affirmative obligations. Affirmative obligations, you know, we're going into, you know, market structure talk here, make your head spin. But an affirmative obligation was something that the, the market makers on the floor, the designated market makers on the floor, it's called specialists, had that they had to be the buyer of last resort. There's nobody buying. They have to buy. Nobody's got affirmative obligations anymore. I mean, they had the affirmative obligations. They were meeting them by posting stub quotes at one cent. Yeah. So, I mean, we've eliminated that. So there is no buyer of last resort anymore. And all the high-frequency traders don't have to be buyers either. If the going gets tough, they'll provide liquidity. And all of a sudden, they get full. They've bought too much stock. They're like, well, we're done. We're just now going to hit cancel all button and not provide liquidity anymore. That doesn't happen very often, but it happened on May 6, 2010. It also happened during the flash crash in August of 2015. So it's happened twice in really non-events. You know, just got too much, too much pressure going down. Yes, I would say the markets did well during the COVID crisis. It's hard to argue that. Um, I was, I would have, I was surprised. But again, remember they've put in some band aids too. You know, we have band aids where we have circuit breakers that slow the trading down, and that has helped. So I don't know how much it's the off exchange market makers helping or how much the actual circuit breakers helped during the COVID crisis. So stuff has changed. But to, to come in and argue that this market structure is perfect and better than it ever has been, I challenge that, especially in the small cap space. Look at those small caps. They're a mess. They're going to continue to be widespread, um, you know, by appointment only. People will argue that, oh, it's always been like that. But it used to be like that in other stocks, too. The mega caps, the big caps have tightened the spreads because of electronic trading. Small caps haven't seen the same improvement because off-exchange market maker internalization dominates those venues so or those types of stocks. So, I mean, it's not worth it for on-exchange market makers to even quote on those things when you've got off-exchange market maker that can match your quote at the moment you're about to be executed. So that's my rant. I think we do need change, but the data isn't going to show it. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking the 10 minutes. Uh, Thank you, Dennis. I used it all up. I think they they missed the boat on this. You know, he can talk (laughs) all he wants, but we'll we'll see what happens with it. Uh, We just had initial jobless claims up 27,000, continuing claims. We got a minor pop there, but uh, just battling with unchanged here i mean that's the story uh 4116 we're gonna i think we're gonna see a lot of that number a lot above a lot of below all right i'll definitely put those numbers up here while we go ahead and switch on over to mark right now we'll be we'll get our guest on uh so u.s initial jobless claims here uh the expected um was two thousand two hundred and ten thousand. we got there 229,000. prior was 200,000 there so definitely keep on watch Everyone's watching CPI data tomorrow. And I do kind of agree with you, Dennis, that things changed when they went to free commission and 
I, I remember when I first started trading, there wasn't that free commission game. And then it just kind of quickly changed. And I feel like at least on my side, I feel like the edge is no longer, well, I don't think it ever really was, but the edge should probably be leaning more towards retail traders than investors. And I feel like uh, the free algorithm or free commissions just help more of the algorithmic volume than if anything. Um, I don't think it's helping the retail investor out. There, there's another side of the story. Free commissions are great, but we I challenge whether, you know, if you're a liquidity provider, the retail trader placing past the limit orders that you're not missing fills that you would get. You get, and that's the one thing, every strategy, and you know, I'll finish with this and we'll go to Mark, but I just want to say, uh, if you're, you know, sitting your limit orders out there and you're wrong, you're on the wrong side of the trade, you always 100% of the time get filled. But if you're right and you sit your limit order trader and comes down, trades to your price and then goes up and you it. miss yep. that. You miss that fill because it's come to your price and some off-exchange market maker stepped ahead of you to give that sub-penny price improvement. And then it goes up from that. That's a huge opportunity cost to you. And it can make your strategies throw them right out. It's why we've switched at Bright Trading. We've switched from liquidity providing to liquidity taking to adjust for this. And I've taught this. We taught this stuff on premarketprep.com. You don't even know when you're missing executions. You'll think it just came to your price, but maybe you should have got filled and you didn't. Because an off-exchange market maker came uh, stepped ahead of you, so there is an opportunity cost here that isn't being considered. Yeah, it's so hard to measure. Argument. Yeah, it's just so hard to measure it, right? Very hard. I, very yeah, hard. And impossible. But, but Jonathan says happens all the time. It does. It happens continuously. Chad says I miss so many fills. You really do. And these yeah. are fills that you should get. John B says who cares? It matters, John B. It does. John B. It matters big time. If you're missing your good trades and getting all your bad trades, even good strategies that work on paper will fail in the real markets. And that's a, <laughs> a symptom of this market structure that rewards, you know, certain participants, you know, and obviously and, and to the detriment of others. Yeah, no one likes to get bottom ticked, but let's go ahead. Let's bring on our guest. None other than Mark Chaikin, the founder of Chaikin Analytics. How we doing, Mark? And welcome back to the show. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Very well. Welcome to you, Mitch. This is uh, yeah, change yeah. the lineup change. Hey, I'll, I'll try to do as good as my man, Spencer. I hope he's <laughs> listening in there. Shout out to my man. He's definitely the, the he gave me some footsteps. Now I'm just trying to walk the line. Uh, welcome on, Mark. I'm super excited to have you on. How are you feeling about the overall market sentiment looking into, of course, CPI tomorrow? Well, I think we're uh, in the middle of a bear market rally, which ran into a wall at 4,200. Uh, tomorrow's a wild card. A lot of people are trying to second guess the Fed vis-a-vis -vis inflation expectations. That's a loser's game. Talk about bad fills. Uh, you know, look at the action in the futures this morning uh, down a bit and then a 40-point pop and right back down again. But I think yeah. the operative word here is inflation. It's not going away. Uh, Janet Yellen made that very clear yesterday and President Biden. So uh, the question is, has the market priced in 
the likely impact of the rate hikes and the unwinding of the balance sheet, and that's anyone's guess. So I, I think we've got another test of the lows coming. And if I had a, if you forced me to bet, I'd say they're going to break 3,800, and that 3,600 target is definitely in play. But um, what we're seeing is very typical bear market action. We've now had two rallies of 10%, one in March, and one here in May, June. And typically off a rally like this, you get declines of between 10 and 15%. And 15% from 4,200 would put us down to 3,600. So that's my sort of uh, intermediate term roadmap. Well, let's go ahead. We can get into maybe a little bit of the action that's out in actual stocks. Now, one of the things that I think we talk with you often is we sometimes point a lot to the upside, but I want you to actually today, I'm going to ask you more, what is maybe pointing more to a continued downside? Action? Well, I think it's the, uh, the tech names, what I call uh, growth with no earnings that are still vulnerable. You've had some big rallies there. Uh, and I think you, you need a comb through your portfolio if you're not a trader and say, do I really want to own this stock in, a, in this bear market climate? So even a stock like Starbucks to me is a potential sale here, has a bearish take in power gauge rating, hard to get employees, you got to pay up for it, cost of raw materials going up. But here's a shocker, Amazon. It's rallied big time into the split and I think Amazon's a sale right here. I think uh, the low at what is now um, 105, I think it was 2100, wasn't it, Joel, at the, uh, at the low? Uh, the split adjusted low comes in at 101.26. Yeah, I think we're vulnerable to a test of that low. Now, at some point, Amazon will find a level where their dwindling growth rates match up with the stock price. But for the first time in 15 years, maybe 17 since 05 investors are faced with an Amazon that's forecasting lower earnings. So Mark, from a quantitative perspective, I agree with you is that you often see these, you know, pre-split run-ups in stocks and Amazon was right to the T. I mean, we had a 20% move and one of the biggest companies in the world running up into the split. We get the next day where everybody gets excited, the capitulation, you know, blow them off upside capitulation high. And now we've had a couple of days of weakness here. So this is following textbook quantitative strategies on how to trade splits. Exactly. And we have a bearish power gauge rating. I wouldn't even pretend to opine about Amazon if the power gauge rating wasn't supporting what I just said. So, uh, you know, Steve, uh, Jeff Bezos, in a speech to employees two and a half years ago, said, you know, guys, all retail stocks fail at some point. And we all laughed it off because everybody's focusing on AWS and their pricing power in terms of just sheer size. But Jeff Bezos gave you the clue there. Uh, every stock has its day in the sun. And I, I don't want to be a long-term bear on Amazon, but in the intermediate term, I think you got to sell the stock. Um, what, what about going into tomorrow's data here, Mark? Because this is so important for the market. We've kind of just been chopping around here ahead of tomorrow's CPI data. How do you approach, you know, going in? I mean, obviously, inflation's been the major concern here. We're going to get another data point. Let's just set up two scenarios for you and, you know, you give me your thoughts. You know, let's say the number comes in a little bit hotter than expected and then set up the other scenario where it actually comes in light. What do you think about the markets? 
Well, I don't think it matters because um, light means you get up to the 4,200, 4,250 uh, resistance level that we've targeted. We just barely approached it, maybe 4,300. The market has to close above 4,300 to break the pattern of lower highs and lower lows. So that that's sort of, and a lot of people are looking at that number. Um, in terms of uh, light versus heavy, it's obvious if you, as you, and you pointed this out in terms of six pack of beer and breakfast cereal uh, over the last six months, you go into the supermarket, packaging has shrunk. They're calling this shrinkflation now, which is a, yeah. a great term. And the, the risk is stagflation. And I lived through that in the 70s big time. I was actually was managing a brokerage firm of 40 brokers. And it, it was hell on wheels for 18 months. So I don't know where we're going here, whether it's 3,800, 3,600, or 3,400. But I think if you assume the best, you have two ways you can lose. You can get chopped up and churned up, or you can really lose money. You only make money if everything plays out perfectly. So I, I think the high probability position here, both from a trading and from an investment point of view, is to be cautious, continue to focus on energy. They're very overbought right now. The stocks that we've loved for the last four months, let them breathe, let them come down. You know, crude is up at 123, 124, uh, and the energy stocks are pulling in a little. So um, if you focus your portfolios on the areas, uh, defensive stocks, the Campbell Soups of the world, beverage stocks, and look to make money and energy, I think you'll be okay. Mark, what about gold? I mean, it just doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't gold. do anything. Inflation had someone was asking about it. I mean, just models. I mean, is there ever going to be a, just a trading range or something else? I mean, I'm so, sure you can't have a strong uh, chicken no. power gauge reading on that because it just it's been no, in a steady it's, decline. It's a trading range. Uh, the the fiction that it's a uh, hedge against inflation has been blown out of the water here in the last year, as has the Bitcoin as a hedge against inflation fiction. So uh, the only hedge against inflation are, are dividend paying defensive stocks. Cash obviously is no hedge. So and that's a tried and true. You know, the, uh, the S&P dividend index, I think, is up this year. I talked to one friend who has an account that's managed at Newberger Berman and they're older and the manager doesn't believe in bonds uh, because of what's going on. And their account's only down 2% from the top. And I said, what are you in? They're fully exposed to equities. He said, we're in good dividend paying wow. stocks. So uh, that Income. doesn't necessarily appeal to the trader in me, but it's certainly a, a good alternative to trying to guess a bottom in growth stocks. Yeah, well, we're what, just making a new low here. Uh, yeah, on we're this session, man. We're forty leaping. points off the highs here now. Yeah, set basically 40, an hour ago. Forty fifty breaking down would lead to a very quick test of thirty eight hundred, in my view. Yeah, I'd even bump it up a little bit and go to the lows. From I mean, I'm looking at the futures. I don't if you're looking at the cash, but to me, that's that the trap door is at forty seventy. So yeah, a little bit thing. closer. Yep. yep, yep. But I mean, all is not lost. Let's not lose sight of the fact that whatever low we made, and this is like playing out like 
hate, you hate to say this, it's playing out like a script. Midterm election years, second year of the decade, you always make a low, typically in the fall, and you rally 30 to 50%. And that's why I think it's so important for investors to find safe havens for their money, because that opportunity is one you don't want to miss. So it's a question of being in some of the right stocks like energy, because I think this bull market in oil is going to go on for nine to 12 months and keep the rest of your assets out of harm's way for a while. And, and I think it's going to end up being a great um, end of year 2023, but it's how you get to there from here that's obviously very tricky so you're still just playing a cautious here now what's going to be the turning point where you turn around and say i'm going to start getting some more exposure to stocks here well if they start puking them out that would be the first thing we we've seen a very orderly decline here i know you probably talked about that on the show and bear markets tend not to end that way so I'd look for some sort of waterfall triggered by an event. Maybe it's just some, some Fed pronouncement that is more than the market can handle. But I'm looking at levels, really, and also earnings. That's the sort of thing that's not being talked about. Up until a few, maybe a week ago, analysts were still raising their earnings estimates for the S&P 500. As of Sunday, the S&P 500 estimate was up 7%. From the start of the year, consensus analyst estimates. Does that make sense to you in this in this economy? It just doesn't. So, what what you do have to see, Dennis, and real answer to your question, you got to yeah. see analyst estimates start coming down big time, mm-hmm. and that would be consistent with squeezing sort of liquidity out of the banking system, i.e., winding down the balance sheet, and that's typically how bear markets end. And, and the thing that I think is most important, I wrote about this in my weekly market letter, is there's two kinds of Fed tightening cycles. There's a fast tyco- a cycle and a slow cycle. This is a fast cycle. And in fast cycles, you see a big shrinkage in P.E. ratios. So the value trap here is if you are bullish on stocks because P.E. ratios on these stocks are down 25% on the S&P already, they can go a lot lower. If the money supply starts to shrink and analyst estimates start coming down. Perfect answer there, Mark. Thank you for joining us today. The founder of Chaken Analytics. We'll definitely be watching the CPI data and continue to watch to see if those estimates keep getting pulled back. We'll see what happens there. Thank you for joining us today, Mark, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, be well, guys. Thanks, Mark. All right, guys, let's keep it going here. We've got a couple more topics to touch. Let's go into the FDA and Novavax here getting kind of pushed back here. This is due to manufacturing concerns. So really, it got recommendation, but hasn't been fully approved. So from this point, they're going to be reviewing uh, kind of the manufacturing process to make sure that they can go ahead and get that approval. I think this has something to do with maybe the supply that's needed for the approval. But of course, I'm not into the FDA here. So uh, we'll see what happens here on Novavax. Let's take a look at the stock, how the stock's performing after that. There's some trades that are tough and there's some trades that are easy. This pop, this thing had up to 58 or $59 in the pre-market yesterday and after hours yesterday was just stupid. Dumb money buying up there. 
the fade trade worked perfectly on this all the way back down gives it all back and then some we called it it happened 47 and a quarter i don't see any reason to own this stock they're two years too late with the drug kenny said that yesterday i've been saying it for a long time here now too um it's not going to be a game changer here i'm COVID is not going away we already have COVID drugs so i don't even think the demand is there for this thing once they get it approved so i see no reason to own novavax whatsoever uh shorter term traders you had the flush just under 46 yesterday's low 4615 that's just a one daily low one level uh you dropped below that it didn't trade on tuesday monday's low down at 4358 so there's your daily lows there we are now under or we are at 4100 on the nose the bears are just made a low at 99.75 i guess what uh they're saying over in europe is uh really spooking the markets here uh boy i'll tell you them raising rates with everything that's going on in the state of the economy i mean huh that doesn't sound like a like a good plan. But anyways, we just hit 99.75 and currently hanging out at 4100. Well, let's uh talk uh, stay in the kind of same sector here, same industry. Let's talk about uh, your favorite, Kathy Wood. Dennis Dick. <laughs> What's going on? What's well, Kathy doing? What's up? Arc Invest uh stepping up to the plate there, initiating a position in Moderna here after the biotech company said the updated version of its COVID-19 booster vaccine appeared to be providing stronger protection against the Omnicon variant than its current shot. And so if you got the current one, you might need to get the next current one and then the next current one, but we won't get into all that one. Uh, ARK Invest bought 172,939 shares, estimated to be 25.68 million in Moderna. But just kind of note, they did sell 152,823 shares, estimated to be 8.17 million in rival Pfizer on Wednesday. Um, They have been selling shares in Pfizer for months now. So interesting that she's going after Moderna. She brought this into the ARKG. So if you want to put she, that one up. She Joel. sells her winners to finance her losers. So she does everything that a rookie trader would do. Um, I don't know what to say on Moderna. Actually, you can look at this and say oh, the valuation is reasonable. But again, I don't think that those cash flows are going to stay up that high because I don't think everybody's getting a shot every three, four months. So, I mean... I, I, they've got they're doing a lot of right things i love the company moderna i love you know they've you know they've got the flu vaccines are cooking up they're doing a lot of things right uh but just don't get fall for that oh this thing's trading five six times earnings and this is cheap how can it be this cheap it's because everybody in the whole world was getting these shots and that's gravy train is coming to an end so there will still be some people getting some shots, but it's not going to be as many. So I challenge, you know, the numbers going forward, the projections of some of these analysts. Um, I challenge Kathy Wood's strategy altogether. I always have. Um, obviously, she was you know, right for a long time. She's got all her eggs in one basket. She's growth. With that being said, I've said I think the ARKK put in the bottom there back on the May the 12th. There is a hunger for growth names right now. How long that lasts is to, is to be determined. Obviously, CPI data is going to dictate the next course of move for ARKK as well. But just challenge your core strategies of growth at any cost. 
Uh, if I was a shareholder in Moderna, I'd be like, well, this didn't get to yesterday's high. And uh, so I'd be focusing right now on 151 as uh, resistance. And uh, you don't want to see it go red on this session. It is trading up by 99 cents at 149.52. So uh, better hold the close um, or else, I don't know, maybe get a look at yesterday's low, 46.75. All right, guys, like always, guys, let's try to keep the chat without all caps. Just want to go ahead and state that. That's one of our rules. So uh, if you did get a little time out, that's There's rules for our chat. I didn't yeah, know. normally it's me handling it on the other side, but we're trying to do, do it all in chairs now. Do, do you want to produce? I need another arm. So if you do, guys you want me to, uh, do, do you want me to uh, handle the chat? Oh, oh, I'm oh, kind of oh, scared. Oh, Joel gets oh, feisty. That, that, that'll Joel get gets feisty. There. All right, so Target trying to maybe uh, put a little light on their stock today. Target Corporation increasing their quarterly dividend from ninety cents to a dollar eight a share here. Um, and Target, I, could it ever get that shadow back? I mean, that's a big shadow to fill up there. This is damage control for the stock. They're looking yes. at their price and saying, what can we do to help out? We've got yeah. some money still. We want to give some We're confidence okay. back in the stock. Let's raise the dividend. It did pop on this initially. gives it back. Um, with that being said, we got a double bottom in place in Target. 145.51. We talked about this, and we got this one right, too. You know, People can give me a lot of hate, but we've been doing saying a lot of things right on this show lately. Because we said when Target was down at 147, I said that I thought that they would buy the dip. We also said that I, you know, the 145.51 level was critical to hold. We bounced right where we should have. Um, it held up. I'd be a buyer of dips on Target. Uh, you've had a nice move uh, off that low, and um, you know, it just kind of. I'm just trying to figure out this right here. This one, this pesky area here, 155, 156. Uh, that that's about halfway. So if you can establish like a, a, a base here, you know, and then, you know, maybe, you know, scoot up and get closer to that 160. I'd be very concerned if, I mean, it's also probably gonna be a little bit market dependent here, but I'd really, you know, it doesn't have to blast off today or, you know, next couple of days, but if you can build a little bit of a base here uh, and move up, but if you start to lose this 155 area, uh, I'd be a little concerned that, uh, you know, Maybe not not necessarily a retest of the low, but fifty three thirty five was yesterday's low. So keep an eye on that shorter term. All right, I definitely think that uh, there's going to be a lot of watch. Of course, CPI data. I saw mentioned in the chat. Um, probably a newer trader uh, was asking why CPI data is going to matter tomorrow. Can you kind of give it just a, a quick brief? Uh, recap of why it matters tomorrow about if it comes in hot or not, Joel? I mean, it's because it's going to dictate the future course of our interest rates and it's going to determine if what, you know, the Fed being behind, uh, you know, the curve on fighting inflation, uh, it is going to dictate, you know, if we go half, people talk about three quarters and uh, got to rein in inflation. If it doesn't show in this, in this month, you know, in this month's data, then you got to wait a whole nother month. And, uh, that's it. It's just interest rates now. There's alternatives. You know, there was Tina. There was no alternative to investments. And now with higher rates, you know, there is some competition. This, this out is an there. issue. Banker, uh, 3.25% now, one year GIC, which is guaranteed government in Canada. 3.25. I haven't seen that high of a rate on a one year GIC in a long time. So, I mean, rates are going up and you can actually, there is an alternative here now. 3.25% guaranteed. 
um, investment certificates. So, I mean, these yeah. were running at ones, twos, sometimes even under one. So, I mean, rates are coming up and rates are going to continue to go could be 4.25 in a little while here. So, I mean, it is. This is an issue for stocks. Higher rates is an issue for stocks. The reason the CPI data matters so much is that the Fed is not going to stop being aggressive until we start seeing CPI come in. If we start seeing CPI come in, that might mean the Fed may, you know, start to back off on their aggression and that would help stocks tremendously. So everything matters. The CPI is the only thing that matters. All right. Uh, here's uh, some news that I just popped up uh, at, uh, while we were alive was uh, the Sharon Williams uh, getting an acquisition uh they acquired an industrial coating company, Gross and Perna. Um, it's up. It's up. I think like four percent on this news. It's not. Sharon Williams too bad. isn't moving. No trade. Isn't moving. No SHW. I don't know. Are you talking about the one they're acquiring or? They're uh, yeah, they, they they acquired one. I, I think it. I think it. For some reason, I had it up four percent. Might um, have been a Fenra. I don't even see a price. Yeah, we'll I see. Right. I see five shares traded somewhere. Okay, yeah. so no worries about uh, Sharon Williams. Yeah, no action uh, in this one. Let, 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 I did see yesterday, uh, though Intel executives citing uh, three major headwinds of customer reducing inventory levels, yeah. issues arising with China reopening, um, and then also COVID-related lockdowns, and um, so Intel kind of giving a little bit of warning. Um, into their kind of their earnings and how things are looking forward, uh, three major headwinds. And when I see things like that, it, it kind of concerns me on Intel. Let's take a look at Intel's what, chart. What a mess. The chart is just a complete mess. We are back to five-year lows on yeah. Intel here, giving back the entire the last five years of gains, really. I mean, we're going back to 2017 pricing. And you think at a certain point in time it's cheap, but um, Fast Money commentators last night, which I, I agree with, Pete Nigerian is awesome, by the way. Um, comparing it to IBM. I don't know if it was Pete that was doing it, but Intel mm. is Intel the new IBM. I mean, where you know they've just lost their way. And now it's like, okay, yeah, you got the dividend there, but there's no growth and they can't figure it out. I think it's a good comparison. I had the Intel in the portfolio yeah. for a bit. I got, you know, it gave us that nice little rally if we go back in March. And I used that rally to get out of it for the simple reason is that Everybody is eating their lunch now. They can't find their way. Management's been poor. I mean, is it a value? Sure, but it's been a value trap for a long time and dead money. Hard to say this is the turnaround story. Yeah, I mean, it's it's breaking down. And it, like you, the other day when you said, uh, you know, with Target, uh, you know, if it's going to bounce, this is where it should bounce from. Same thing, not only on the dailies, but on the weeklies here. And it's not bouncing. So uh, I'm a bag holder, officially a bag holder in this one. Sometimes on your bags, you got to use those rallies to get. I was a bag holder on it, and it gives you the rally. March gave us, and going back to the end of March, and obviously we were talking about this. This is what I was preaching, you know, on the Chinese stocks and stuff. It gave us so many outs back in March. Um, the March rally was ridiculous. It was counter trend. It was a bear market rally. Hindsight Capital is always 2020, but that was the time to sell pretty much everything. I know some of these Chinese stocks have come back now, uh, but going to the overall market, that March rally gave a lot of bag holders an out. I was a bag holder in Intel, went down to 44, and then in 10 days went to 52, and I got out of it on that pop. So when you're holding bags and you don't like holding bags, you get those rallies, drop those bags. 
Definitely gonna gonna keep watching this one. Um, I I agree with you, and also kind of you mentioned the kind of comparison to IBM. I would compare this to IBM also, but when IBM and let's say when Apple was at like thirty dollars, I remember uh, at, at some point it was actually down there, and so I would compare like Apple, like the AMD and IBM, kind of you know being Intel now. And is just AMD coming for Intel that fast, and they're just going to swap places? Well, they uh, have. Where, yeah. All right, I'm gonna let that's, you. That's uh, I think I'm gonna let do. you guys finish up. I'm gonna go over. We missed a lot of symbols. Gonna go cover them on uh, Pre Market Prep Plus. And uh, everyone have a good day. We'll we'll talk to you soon. Uh, right, here's so. something interesting from the chat too. Uh, oh, great. I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. Grammy. Uh, it's asking about my Scott's Miracle Grow that I had bought, yeah, and yes, I had bought it. Scott's Miracle Grow um back at 95 dollars, about five days okay. before the random warning when it warned yesterday it had the ridiculous pop-up in the morning when it went from 90 to 95 i actually was yeah. able to get out i think at 94 80 i kept uh, i did keep a piece i kept a small piece but again i'm looking at it i was projecting and when i was doing and on my long-term investments i do do some due diligence I'm looking at it at six thirty, six fifty, seven dollar earnings. All of a sudden, their earnings are only going to be five. They warned, and I'm like, well, now the PE just jumped from thirteen to nineteen. It's all of a sudden not cheap. So I'm like, I got to reevaluate. While everybody just blindly buying the dip, gives you that pop off the bat again when you're bag holding, which I was for a bit. Use those, you know, rallies to sell those bags. And yeah, I think that's, it's important. That's the one thing I've been very good at in my 22 year trading career is minimizing damage because we're all wrong and it's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. 100%, 100%. And in this, this industry and in trading overall, it's not for you to be worrying about right or wrong. It's for you to be doing what? risk management and yes. using a system to get yes. profits because that's what's going to get you to continue going and not worrying about being right or wrong because if you do that then your mentalities can really drive you to end up holding a bag because what you think that the stock is wrong no no it's the price that's wrong no N necessarily you always go and the price is the the mo the biggest indicator Right. And so you always got to be worrying about risk. Great job getting out of that and wiggling on out, Dennis. That's how you do it. You know, and, 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 I, and I love how Dennis says it. It's, it's like a gift that, that the stock pops up there. So, yeah, sometimes like out. you get these ridiculous pops like that's a serious guidance cut in SMG. Uh, yeah. Spinner was asking. I thought you were buying it earlier. I actually wasn't uh, Scott's Miracle Grow earlier. I bought it 150. And again, I minimized damage, so I um I ended up I think scratching it out because I didn't like the, the action. It actually had bought it at one fifty and it went to like one eighty. This is in the longer term portfolio, and then it came back down to like one thirty three, and then bounced back into like one fifty five. I was like, I'm out of this, you know, because it's just you know I don't like the waves, and you know how I think like this, right? So when you you're in it, and then it goes like this on you, I wait for the next wave up to get out a lot of times, and that gets you out. So, but in this case, with Scott's Miracle Grow, I still think there's value in the company. This is not a zero. It's not like a Kathy Wood hope, hopium trade. I mean, this is a real company, but struggling right now. And I had to reevaluate. I didn't see the guidance cut coming. It wasn't, it wasn't like I held it into earnings. It was a random guidance cut. I'm like, okay, well, I have to reevaluate that. So the reevaluation says lighten up or get out. So, I mean, that that's you know, where I was at on that. So it's okay. Again, you know, it's it's all about 
that I, I, I'm successful in this business and obviously I've traded 22 years. Majority of my wealth has been created from the stock market. That I'm not successful because I make good calls. I'm successful because I manage risk. And mm-hmm. Mitch, that's the what is what separates Definitely. the good trader from the bad trader. It's not how many good calls they make. It's how yeah. they manage their risk when they make the bad call. That's the difference. And that's, you know, what people fail to do. If you're unwilling to take losers, you will end up a loser in the long run in this game. It's almost guaranteed. Yep. 100%. And, and one of the things that I know Dennis is definitely good at is being decisive. That's an important skill too, right? Getting Recon- to the point. Quick recognition of when exactly, you're wrong. and making a decision, not 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 struggling there. Understanding, yes, I am wrong, and now it's time to risk manage. Perfect example there, Dennis. Appreciate you, like always, teaching us process to continue moving forward in our trading journey. All Have right, videos. Dennis. We'll see you Good next luck. time. Oh, we'll oh what was the, it? Good, Good luck. luck. Thirty minutes. We got. We'll be on at eight o'clock and. 8.30 is the number, so get ready. It's common. Get ready, guys. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap on up, get you guys over to live trading action. Yes, we'll continue going. So if you have tickers that you guys want to cover, you can also go on over to live trading. You can go to pre-market prep plus. There's plenty of areas for you guys to continue your market coverage right here. Let's go ahead. Let's continue. I want to see a lot of people throw up some likes before we get on out of here. Over 1,400 viewers. Can we get to 500, 600 likes? Come on, guys. Let's go ahead and live it up. I hope you guys are enjoying us covering all the news action. I've been trying to get into some more topics, but hit the comments after the show and let me know what do you want to see more or less of on pre-market prep. I'll definitely go ahead and work to improve the show and let's keep moving. Let's go towards live trading. Let's go sound that bell, sound that alarm. Let's keep it going. Introducing Portfolio Synchronization with your brokerage. Now you can securely connect your brokerage account to Benzinga Pro, opening a world of personalization. Screen lightning fast news just for the stocks you own. Set alerts for news catalysts that affect only the companies you care about. It's all possible with a simple click and a secure protective connection. Overcome uncertainty and connect your portfolio to Benzinga Pro today. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.